Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. So bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We are back with episode four of Casual Historians. We have a very special episode today. Salem Witch Trials, and we're actually joined here by a real-life witch, <laughs> Kira. It just isn't true. We're going to put me, or Joe wants to put me through some tests later, and I just want to assert my innocence. Yes, I Start will out, be like, right off the bat, running a few witch tests on Kira later mm-hmm. on in the episode. So Minus a to... swimming one, because unfortunately uh, we're not near a body of water. Uh, <laughs> go over to Lake Quantapallet. <laughs> it is Friday night, though. Gonna... We're feeling good. We got a couple mocktails going. Yeah, mocktails. Which, quit drinking. AKA Ultra just has like a lot of sugar in yeah, them. Yeah, I'm so just like therefore... a sugar high. I'm like a seven-year-old. <laughs> um, cool. I also feel like, just, just want to put this out there, because I'm hoping that, you know, the listeners can celebrate with me. This is the first episode where I feel like my voice actually sounds normal. Yeah. Perfectly healthy. Picture yeah. of health. You sound like a normal person finally. Yeah, finally. It's exciting. After like, what, two months? But you know, you know, better late than never, I feel like. It's true. It's true. Um, cool. Yeah, wait, before we start, this day in history. Oh, yes. Let's start my, with my this. Facts. Yes, yes. Let me go get it. Ooh, this is a fun one. <clears throat> okay, so what's today's date? February 10th? It's yes. Friday evening, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. feeling good. Just had some chicken fettuccine alfredo. It was made very from scratch. good, yeah. Shout out Chef Donnie. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, what's the name of that cookbook? I feel I think like it's called Not Your Mother's Cookbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go buy it and, you know, maybe we can get some commission or something. Can we negotiate that? I don't think so. <laughs> All right. February 10th in 1942. You'll like this one. Japanese submarine bombards Midway. Oh, so on February 10th, 1942, Japanese submarine began shelling the tiny Pacific atoll known as Midway. The Japanese forces took aim at Midway, located about 1,000 miles northwest of Hawaii as part of a broader strategy to create a defensive line that would stretch from the Aleutian Islands in the north to the Dutch West Indies in the south. In addition, the Japanese troops hoped that by attacking Midway, they would be able to draw American aircraft carriers out into the open. The plan backfired. American troops got wind of the plan and attacked first. After Midway, American forces went on the offensive, hopping from island to island, hitting the enemy at its weakest points. I love the island hopping of World War II. That's honestly, I mean, the Pacific theater in general is very interesting just for the island hopping yeah. aspect. It's a great show, The Pacific on HBO. Hmm. Should I watch it. I have not it. seen. If you like Band of Brothers, you like The Pacific. Basically, it's not as good as Band of Brothers, but, but it's by Spielberg. 
Okay, because I was going to say, I, I thought maybe it was uh, directed by Clint Eastwood, but he did something else that was kind of World War II focused, but I don't know. I can't remember the uh, the name off the top of my head. Yeah. But you know, Spielberg, great guy. No, well, I, I have no idea if he's a great guy, but- Gran Torino, gr- Clint Eastwood. Great talent. Yeah. Gran Torino is a great movie. It's one indeed, of my favorites. Indeed. One of my favorites. All right. Well, are you ready to rock yeah, and roll? I'm thinking we should just jump right yeah, into it, huh? Should we go back in time? Let's go back in time. (laughs) All right, you can set the stage, though. Definitely. So we kind of wanted to go back and look at, you know, was the Salem Witch Trials unique? And during this time period, not necessarily. So there was kind of this big witchcraft craze between the 1300s and then started to fizzle out in the 1600s. That being said, there are examples, at least in the New World or what we would call the United States of America now, where there were still some people getting... What are you doing? I'm getting I'm very just, distracted. I'm just hiding behind this. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, shoot. Just keep rolling. Where were you? I'm trying to remember. This is not good radio. <laughs> Are we? Are we not? The, no, this we're point? not adding this out. No, oh, we're God. keeping it rolling. We're, we're, we're just keeping it the rolling. The European craze time. was winding down. Well, the European craze was winding down, but there are examples of people still being convicted of witchcraft in the New World, aka the United States of America, up until I think about 1730. But what you need to know is mostly women were accused, and I should honestly, I should start prefacing this <laughs> Wait, were episode there ma- where male witches that were there, accused. There were. But and I'll get into that, but it was kind of this idea that and I should preface this episode and a lot of the research just really made me hate people. And there's also a lot of sexism in this episode where essentially the idea was a lot of the people that were accused were I don't have a specific figure, but most of them were women and specifically either single women widows or just generally women that are on the fringes of society and the idea behind that actually comes from this publication again i'm gonna i'm gonna destroy this pronunciation but malaeus maleficarum sounds like a harry potter spell i know it definitely sounds latin written it was written by two well-respected german dominicans in 1486 and it spurred so much mania because it was kind of this almost a how to catch a witch book. You <laughs> how know, to train your dragon. Yeah, right. Or um, <laughs> um, persecuting witches for dummies, something like that. Yeah. And wow, between fifteen hundred and sixteen sixty, eighty thousand suspected mm-hmm. witches were put to death. And and it's interesting how that book was written by Germans. Germany had the highest rate of execution while Ireland that's, had the lowest, which I honestly was kind of surprised by that Ireland had the lowest. That's but, on brand for Germany. Right? Like, what is going the on? The most executions? Um, what is it with them, huh? I have no idea. But this book was so popular, it actually, for more than 100 years, sold more copies of any other book other than the Bible. So basically, you have Bible, and then you have how to catch witches and kill them. Wow. But... um. But, yep, you had that stat about how between 1500 and 1660, 80,000 suspected witches were put to death. But what, you know, always cracks me up, and it's not just for witchcraft, but especially back in the day, and of course still now, but 
they made in our research they made to make a point about how often the accused would confess under the threat or continued practice of torture and i just think yeah because they're totally gonna tell that's totally a way to get the honest truth out of them they might just not tell you whatever you want to hear they're absolutely gonna tell you whatever they want you want to hear because they're scared slash they're being tortured it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous but um, some highlights from that book for how to identify witches or whatever. Did you whatever read the spark notes of the book? Kind of. Basically, I got some spark notes from this <laughs> book. It's it. I guess it's pretty extensive. It has, I think, four or five different parts. And, you know, yeah. the first part goes into this like, idea that, well, men could be agent, agents of the devil, quote unquote, agents of the devil. It was more likely that women would be agents of the devil because they are inherently weak and more sinful, making them an easy target for the devil's influence. This was especially true so if of women that did not fit into the mold of being obedient Christian wives and mothers. Sounds like some incel energy right there. Right? I get I get hardcore <laughs> incel energy. Some Brian Coburn vibes. <laughs> they're just, you know, they're just weak guys and somehow more sinful and therefore that's why they're working with the devil cuz men are not sinful and they're definitely never weak. It's just it's it's the dumbest thing. And I thought this was like a really weird one, but I guess because a lot of witches at the time and Joe and I were discussing this before we started recording about how I feel like in a lot of cases, either through grief or general anger with not being able to explain what has occurred. Like for instance, if an infant died where, and I again, don't have a figure, but infant mortality, super high back in the day. And a, a lot of witches were accused of kind of like violence against children or like killing babies. There's even parts of that book that are like, well, if they eat babies, then they must be a witch. And I'm just thinking, Wait, have you babies? have you seen someone eat a baby? Is that normal? <laughs> what is normal happening? Practice? It's just, I mean, honestly, the fact that it's kind of sad to think that these authors, no one looked at these authors and thought, you know, you guys sound kind of up you know and bleep me out there what definitely the bleep me out giving me more work <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry not sorry um but so anyways for those reasons they were like hey watch out for midwives so you know how you know there's no one to be there with you to give birth because obviously again childbirth until pain medicine was a thing sounds like a horrible ordeal i mean i am so glad that i was that i am living in the 21st century because that sounds horrific but anyways the only people that were kind of even sort of trained to deal with pregnant women and you know to help them go through this very harrowing ordeal where i think also you know mothers died a lot in childbirth too but they were like hey Watch out for those guys. Something's wrong with them. Something seems off about the fact that they want to help you. They're going to eat the baby. I mean, (laughs) what is happening? This is why I hate people. It's a lot of craziness. I mean, it it feels like, you know, modern day conspiracy theories. You know, this Mm -hmm. just feels like conspiracy theories. But anyways. Yeah. It's the QAnon of the 1600s. Exactly. This is the QAnon of the 1600s. Um, But so anyways, so belief in the supernatural and specifically in the devil's practice of giving certain humans, witches or sorcerers for men. But again, (laughs) in that book, I guess there's only like three pages dedicated to men. And again, it was a big book. I feel like there's like a negative connotation to witches, but like I wouldn't hate being a sorcerer. I, I would kind of prefer to be a sorcerer. And the sad thing Imagine is, there LinkedIn, is a sorceress, it's like Jill Lemieux, but... comma sorcerer, <laughs> like Esquire, but it's like for sorcerers. 
Yeah, where'd you get your uh, sorcery degree? <laughs> um, Hogwarts. Uh, Salem State, actually. Salem <laughs> State. Studied abroad in Scotland. Went to Hogwarts. Totally cool. Totally cool. I basically have all the best accolades. <laughs> um, but so that had emerged in the 14th century and was widespread in colonial New England. While the Salem Witch Trials is perhaps like the most famous example where I don't think anyone could really name me another witch trial, it was not the first or the last in the 13 colonies. The first person to be executed for the crime of witchcraft in America was Al Alce Young in 1647 in Windsor, Connecticut. And by the time the last witch trial in Connecticut took place in 1697, 47 people had been accused in the state and 11 had been put to death. I just said that with like such a kind of, you know, cheerful <laughs> end, put to death. And the rest were hanged. <laughs> or they died in prison. <laughs> um, a what, slow, painful death. <laughs> God. What's interesting, though, is how in some colonies there were efforts to push back against this type of hysteria where in lower Norfolk County, Virginia, where I just want to say in general, it seems like Virginia was kind of with it where they're like, yeah, we don't really buy into this. Seems kind of weird. Maybe we shouldn't spend all our energy on this. Mm. Um, they actually made it a crime to falsely accuse someone of witchcraft in 1655. And while two dozen witch trials still took place in the state until 1730, no one was executed for the crime. So I'm like, go Good Virginia. Seems them, like a positive. Um, but now we can kind of move into. So that's the background on witch trials. They were happening a lot. Hmm. They seem to really like to kill women. But anyways, anyways, I digress. Hmm. We go into kind of setting the stage for the Salem witch trial in specific in specific the specific ocean <laughs> so obviously i think we can all acknowledge it was a rough time to be alive probably anywhere but especially in you know very early years of the colonies because to keep in mind 1620 was when the mayflower hit new england and we are in like the early 1690s so it's rough out here. And at the time, there was what was known as the King Williams War that had just ravaged regions of upstate New York, Nova Scotia, and Quebec. And that ended up actually sending a fair amount of refugees into the county of Essex, where Salem Village was found. Um, there had been a recent smallpox epidemic because obviously Present medicine day not really there. Present day Danvers. That, I feel like that is actually a fun fact. Hmm. The Salem witch trials Happened probably in Danvers. should, right? Where there are some sites in modern day Salem that played a role, but where a lot of these people Gallows were living Hill, was right? Danvers. Um, I want to say Gallows Hill is in Salem, but I was just thinking like where the witches were imprisoned, which we also get into because I think right by St. John's Prep. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like um, it's interesting because we get into the idea of how there were. Kind of, there was there's there's a lot of like politics, political maneuverings happening around this time. Some rivalries. People are upset about progress. You know the way kind of the region is changing. Agriculture versus kind of the urban, like urban versus suburban. I mean, a, t a tale as old as time. But anyway, so a smallpox epidemic because you know medicine not a thing. 
fears of attacks from neighboring Native American tribes and a longstanding rivalry. So this is where we get into kind of the politics, a longstanding rivalry with the more affluent community of Salem Town. So Mm -hmm. there's Salem Village and there's Salem Town. And I think modern day Salem is like where Salem Town was. Mm. And then a couple of years heading up to this point, there had been a bunch of unusually cold winters that caused several crop failures. People were primed to have oh, a, a witch trial. They were like, they we were need to kill off. some peeps where they just needed to, you know, that's how people got their anger out back then. You know, they were like, you know, can we can we hang a couple people? I yeah. feel like I feel like that will make me feel better, which is weird. It's it's messed up. But it just seems like it was common back then. That was their solution. I will say, too, this brought me back to the French Revolution a lot of ways. And it's I I will acknowledge kind of the cognitive dissonance for me where I wasn't as upset about, you know, I wasn't as I I, I didn't feel as triggered about, you know, the deaths as much in the French Revolution episode. I don't know why. I think it maybe it was because of your ties to Salem. Maybe that because I have ties I, to France. Yes, so, so do you, were you more triggered by triggered. the French Revolution thing? Disgusting behavior. Yeah. I just feel like in the French Revolution, when you know how we talked about King Louis probably should have seen it coming. I feel like these people. How could you have seen this coming? Like, oh yeah, I think tomorrow <laughs> someone's going to accuse me of witchcraft. You know. <laughs> but anyways, hysteria gets out of control very quickly. Very quickly. Very quickly. So, and then to kind of go back to those refugees from the King William's War, that was placing a strain on clearly already limited resources in the colony, aggravating existing rivalries between families with ties to the wealth of the Port of Salem and those who still depended on agriculture. Hmm. And then controversy was also brewing over the Reverend Samuel Paris, who became Salem Village's first ordained minister in 1689 and quickly gained a reputation for his rigid ways and greedy nature. And I just want to say, when I said that I hate people, I specifically hate this dude, and I specifically hate the Putnam family. So as they come up, just know. (laughs) They're on my list. They're dead, but they're on my list regardless. Um. And ultimately, people believe so all of this is happening. And again, when I talk about this idea of, you know, people trying to explain either they're trying to kind of they're trying to reconcile with some, you know, pent up emotions. Why things are the way that they are. Right. And like, they just why is this happening? This feels Which is- I don't like how this feels and I and I need someone to blame or um, or trying to explain the unexplainable. Right. Like you don't have science. Granted. We, Some sort of scapegoat. They need a scapegoat. And so ultimately Germany they believed that the all of this bad stuff was the work of the devil. Mm, the devil. That's classic. But let's get into um, why I think that they probably wouldn't have believed in science anyway. Joe, do you want to talk a little what, bit about Puritanism? Puritanism? Yeah. No, I can I can talk. I think I can handle that. Um, so the Puritans believed that it was necessary to be in a covenant relationship with God in order to be redeemed from one sinful condition, that God has chosen to reveal salvation through preaching, and that the Holy Spirit was the energizing instrument of salvation. So basically everyone inherently is bad, and the only way to salvation is through the Holy God. Spirit. Got it, got it. The Holy Spirit. Um Yeah, so Puritans became noted in the 17th century for a spirit of moral and religious earnestness that informed their whole way of life, and they sought through church reform to make their lifestyle the pattern for the whole nation. 
Their efforts to transform the nation contributed both to civil war in England and to the founding of colonies in America as working models of the Puritan way of life. So as you can see, these people, they were really go with the flow. You know, <laughs> super chill. Well, uh, I think, what weren't it Puritans that came basically over on the Mayflower where they, I think, I'm pretty sure like Puritans came over on the Mayflower. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because clearly there were some issues in uh, England. Of those they folks. were, yeah. But not even that far out. It would only have no, been like one generation. Pretty recent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So those are the Puritans. So those are, those are who's doing the issue. Really go with the flow, peeps. Yeah. Got yeah. It. Super laid back. They totally chill. don't want to kill people. Just they, they love to hear other people's thoughts, opinions, the way of life. life. <laughs> they're very accepting yeah, of very other accepting people. Yeah, very accepting of others. So. They're not judgmental at all. Yeah, no, not at all. And they definitely wouldn't, you know, get into hysteria and <laughs> potentially hang a bunch of women for no yeah, reason. Just, yeah, just like, yeah, kill innocent yeah. people. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, on that note, let's get, get into, into the, the events of the Salem Witch Trials. So, in January 1692... Nine-year-old Elizabeth, also known as Betty, Par- Paris. Who? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is the daughter of the greedy, rigid mm. minister? Yeah, yeah. We put a pin in his name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's coming back, right? Pretty, pretty yeah. quickly. Pretty quickly, we're starting. So we to hate that guy. Connect the dots. <laughs> this on is our, his daughter <laughs> on our, our board here. Um, and eleven-year-old Abigail Williams, the daughter and niece of Samuel Paris, minister of the Salem Village. Of She's course. the daughter and the niece of Samuel Paris. No, the daughter was Betty. Oh, Elizabeth. got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. You interrupted my sentence. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, how can you be the daughter and the niece? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we won't get House into of it. the Dragon. I yeah, guess it is kind of it. possible. We won't get into it. Uh, they began having fits, including violent contortions and uncontrollable outbursts of screaming after a local doctor, William Griggs, diagnosed bewitchment. Which cracks me up that that's a diagnosis. <laughs> like, witch. <laughs> He's like, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I have no explanation, so therefore. Literally. Um, other young girls in the community began to exhibit similar symptoms including Anne Putnam Jr. Pinning that name because, again, Putnam's. Continue, yeah, continue. The Putnam's. I had a, a English teacher in high school. His name was Putnam. Interesting. And he talked like this. Interesting. And he loved Moby Dick. Hmm. I wonder who he was related to. Potentially one of them. Yeah. I want to even say in the new Netflix series, like Wednesday, the big antagonist is a Putnam. But I could be wrong on Maybe. that. I'll, I'll, I'll come back and check. You have to cut Kai out. I know it. Um, Mercy Lewis, Elizabeth Hubbard, Mary Walcott, and Mary Warren. So in late February, arrest warrants were issued for the Paris's Caribbean slave, Tatuba, along with two other women, the homeless beggar, Sarah Good, and the poor elderly Sarah Osborne. Who wasn't really, I mean, by our standards, not elderly. She, <laughs> she was, was in her, her 40s, 40s and described as elderly. 40s. <laughs> and just a quick note on her, because I don't know, I started looking into this where I was like, what could possibly be everyone's beef with this person? Why did they pick her in particular? And they said that there were suspicions that she was suffering from depression and was also the topic of town gossip. Because a lot of her, witches nowadays, if that's the diagnosis. Right. Well, I feel like, again, the same way that we talk about the witches marks later, where I'm just like, okay, everyone's a witch. Um <laughs> There was also the to- she was also the topic of gossip because her second husband had once been her indentured servant. 
Yeah. Scandal. Scandalous. Um, but the, all the girls accuse them of bewitching them. Which so, I, I just think is convenient, right? Just throw a couple names out there. Throw them under the bus. Yeah. It wasn't us. It was them. Um, but this is actually interesting. So in an effort to explain by scientific means the strains of strange afflictions suffered by those bewitched Salem residents in 1692, a study was published in Science Magazine in 1976. It cited the fungus ergo found in rye, wheat, and other cereals, which toxicologists say can cause symptoms such as delusions, vomiting, and muscle spasms. Hmm. I mean, that also, again, another TV it's show reference, like should... but how they were talking about The Last of Us, where they believe that the outbreak started in cereal. Hmm. It's almost like we should believe in science a little bit more than... And look, I get it. They didn't necessarily have the science back then, but I don't know. There's a lot throughout this story that just makes me think that you could have told these people anything and they'd be like, nope, nope, witchcraft, witchcraft. We believe it's witchcraft. <laughs> yeah. Where it's almost kind of like the facts don't matter to them at this point. And I get it how you say, you know, hysteria and it probably grew from there where if there was a if there was an opportunity to stop it with facts, it was very early on and that moment came and went and then it was all over. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the three accused witches were brought before the magistrates, Jonathan Corwin and John Hathorne, and questioned. Even as their accusers appeared in the courtroom in a grand display of spasms, contortions, screaming and writhing. Imagine seeing that in the courtroom. I mean, I'd be pretty freaked out for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. I'd be like, eh, that's a witch. <laughs> oh, God. I definitely would have been like, witch! <laughs> Witches! Well, I mean, you keep calling me a witch, so I'm not surprised I mean, by this. Can you blame me? I, I absolutely can blame you, and I do. <laughs> okay, so though Good and Osborne denied their guilt, Tatuba confessed likely seeking to save herself from certain conviction by acting as an informer. She claimed there were other witches, a coven. I like that word. Mm-hmm, a group mm-hmm. of witches a known as a coven. Mm-hmm. American Horror Story Season 3, coven. <laughs> um, acting alongside her in service of the devil against the Puritans. I just want to say that whole point that we brought up earlier about, you know, when they're under torture, how can you expect them to tell the truth? And when we say that, you know, tituba, tituba. Tituba. I think that's Tituba. how I think that's how they said it in the Crucible movie, Tichuba. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're right. Um, Chu, like C H. Tichuba. 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 Um, you know, if she was scared, and especially as a slave, you know, coming from the ultimate position of weakness, where there's no one there to advocate for you, there's no one there to protect you. I mean, they don't even really see you as a human. You know, if you feel like you just have to start saying whatever they want to hear to protect yourself, I totally get why she did that. And it's just unfortunate that she was put in such a position. And I mean, I don't know. Again, I just think it's such a sad story. But hmm. I, I, I I, can totally see it from her point of view where it's like, well, if this is the only thing that's going to save my life, I'm going to do what I need to do to save my life. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So as hysteria spread through the community and beyond into the rest of Massachusetts, a number of others were accused, including Martha Corey and Rebecca Nurse, Nurse, both regarded as upstanding members of church and community, and the four-year-old daughter of Sarah Four-year-old daughter, a child. Was accused as a witch? Yes. I'm just like, that's the four-year-old daughter of Sarah Good. 
was accused as a witch. So yeah, totally. A four-year-old is a witch. It, she's she's definitely just hanging with the devil. Just it's so ridiculous. But um, I kind of again looking into the beefs that people had against others. I looked into Rebecca Nurse, and she had a pretty crazy story. You know, if I'm sure you could probably find a lot of these stories about every single one of the trials that took place. But um, she, and this is one of the tests that we'll talk about later, but she had to be examined for quote unquote witches marks. And she's actually elderly. So like when we talked earlier about the one who was in their 40s and described as elderly, Rebecca Nurse is actually elderly. She's hard of hearing, kind of confused. Um, she's, she's actually elderly. But anyways, she had to be examined and yeah, I'm just like, this is so messed up. But had to be examined for moles, blemishes, or skin irregularities because the idea was like, Oh, like if you have a mole or a birthmark or something, that's a witch's mark. That means you're a witch. And old people have a lot of that stuff. Right? Exactly. It's just so unfair. And there were a lot of people that were on her side where, and I and I do respect this, where there were people in the community that defended some of these, some of the accused. And so her daughters-in-law would later state that what people thought was a witch's mark was quote unquote, like an infirmity. So something that she had suffered from where it was actually like some kind of illness that she had been suffering from for years and it had been misidentified. Um, And then actually others that supported her. And this is a common theme where people that were just like, she's not a witch. And then people are like, Oh, they said she's not a witch. They must be witches too. Um, were her two sisters who were also accused of witchcraft. And a, But again, to the people that supported her, a petition was signed by 39 people and actually, you know, pretty prominent people in the community insisting of her innocence. And indeed, she was initially found innocent. But this is, and this is where I just really hate people. So you think, oh, you know, she's exonerated. Everything's fine. But her accusers go crazy you know like they will not have it they want to see this woman hanged and even some of the judges were like yeah we just we just don't believe it so um we're actually gonna call her back in again found innocent she's getting called back in and essentially they're like can you clarify some of the statements you made earlier and she's you know exhausted because i have no idea what prison conditions were like in the late 1600s but i'd imagine not good but so she's tired obviously confused because she probably just like heard the news that she was found innocent but then weirdly she's getting questioned again and again very hard of hearing Hmm. so i guess at this point they start asking her questions but very quietly and essentially (laughs) when she didn't respond to them quickly enough which they were like oh well her silence is an admission of guilt and essentially her um her verdict was overturned she was then found guilty, and despite many of her supporters going to the governor for help, again, the accusers are just like, well, how dare the governor get involved? Like, she's clearly a witch, and she was ultimately executed. But I'm just thinking, what kind of trial is this where someone is found innocent, and then, you know, basically because the accusers are mad at the decision, they're like, oh, yeah, actually, you're right. Let's, let's, let's bring her back in here, and like, let's just get a guilty verdict. It's just seems like it defeats the purpose of the trial, like the judicial system. <laughs> basically, I really believe in a lot of these cases, and we will get into Giles Corey. People, as soon as you were accused, it was almost kind of like you were guilty, 
regardless of whatever happened. You know, people wanted to believe you were guilty. People wanted to call you guilty. And you might as well just accept that you're guilty because and like no matter what, no matter what anybody who supported you said, no matter what you said or did, you were going to be guilty. I digress. And, I'm, and I'm rant. angry. And rant. I'm angry. Right. Take a sip of water. <laughs> yes. I'll, 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 I'll talk now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so like Tatuba, several accused witches confessed and named still others, and the trials soon began to overwhelm the local justice system. In May 1692, the newly appointed governor of Massachusetts, William Phipps, ordered the establishment of a special court of Oyer, which means to hear and terminer to decide on witchcraft cases for Suffolk, Essex, and Middlesex County. What could go wrong? It's like the, the scorpion, scorpion division in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> Presided over by judges including Hathorne, Samuel Sewell, and William Stoughton, the court handed down its first conviction against Bridget Bishop on June 2nd. She was hanged eight days later on what became known as Gallows Hill in Salem Town. Five more people were hanged that July, five in August, and eight more in September. In addition, seven other accused witches died in jail while the elderly Giles Corey, Martha's husband, was pressed to death by stones after he refused to enter a plea at his arraignment. And just to kind of cut in on this, so for two reasons... This Giles Corey guy is interesting because he actually, again, an example, he originally spoke out in support of his wife who was accused first, and then he was kind of accused of witchcraft as well. But the reason why he didn't enter a plea, and this is what I mean by, I think he realized that, you know what, ugh, they're going to try to find me guilty regardless. But if you don't enter a plea then there can't be a trial. And if there isn't a trial, you can't be convicted because what happened when you were convicted is all of your property property would be forfeited to the state, which I'm sure there seems like the, there's a fair amount of corrupt people in this story where I'm sure like the state would mean, oh, like whatever rich dude around that benefits the most or has the most influence will get his lands. So essentially that's why he refused to enter a plea was because he knew that if he was convicted, all of his lands would be given away. So by not standing trial and although losing his life in the process, he died in full possession of his properties that ultimately went to his sons. So I don't know. Obviously, we don't. Yeah, I guess silver lining, (laughs) I guess, you know, just trying to put myself in the mindset of him and maybe I'm off on this, but he probably thought I'm guilty no matter what I do. I'm not going to let them convict me because then my sons will not inherit at least what I have. Where it's like if I'm going down, at least someone that I love is going to benefit from this. And um, sadly, his wife was executed three days after his execution. Um, And if anybody's ever read The Crucible by Arthur Miller or watched the movie from the 90s with William Day-Lewis, Daniel Day-Lewis. Thank you, Daniel (laughs) Day-Lewis. He also plays Lincoln, right? He also plays Lincoln. But he he played... um, Proctor, I think, in The Crucible. But anyways, Giles Corey's story is, although dramatized, he, he gets stoned to death and he's like known for, because what they do in The Crucible is they he make it- stoned to death? Stoned to death. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> but he has like this line, again, this is fictional, but based off of truth, where he just keeps saying more weight. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's got to be just a drama. And the and the way that and the, and the way they said there's no up, way someone who's getting he's like pressed to death is like oh, throwing some more. 
Yeah, right? He's Even probably though. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just probably can't say anything. But all I wanted to say, since we're heading into a Valentine's Day season, because let's let's all remember this, guys. He stood up for his wife and ultimately gets stoned to death. And I just wanted to say to all of you out there, if your significant other isn't willing to get stoned to death, then they ain't worth it. Oh, I, at I you, know Joe. some of my friends who get stoned to death for sure. <laughs> Not that kind of stone. Not that kind of stone. <laughs> you know Unfor- who you are. Unfortunately, our the favorite bad listener, kind of stone. our top listener. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, nice tangent. But, but, a, just a great tangent. But anyways, I oh, get you got the vibe. M- you have more thoughts? I okay. just wanted to say I get the vibe that Giles Corey was a good guy and rest in peace. Sounds like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay, moving on here. Moving on. Though the respected minister, Cotton Mather, had warned of the dubious value of spectral evidence or testimony about dreams and visions, his concerns went largely unheeded during the Salem Witch Trials. Increase Mather. These are some wild names. Wild. His name is Increase. That is not a name. Increase. And his brother Decrease. What was their word for increase instead of increase at the time? Right? Because if it was a name... Like who's like who names their kid increase? Ah, uh, yes, increase. He has younger brother decrease. <laughs> uh, president of Harvard College in Cotton's father, <laughs> increase in his son Cotton. <laughs> Later joined his son in urging that the standards of evidence for witchcraft must be equal to those for any other crime, concluding that it would better that ten suspected witches may escape than one innocent person be condemned. I agree. I feel like that's a very you know beautiful way of putting it Mm. amid waning public support for the trials governor phipps dissolved the court of oyer and terminer in october and mandated that its successor disregards spectral evidence trials continued with dwindling intensity until early 1693 and by that may phipps had pardoned and released all those in prison on witchcraft charges and just before anybody thinks that this governor was you know totally cool and everything there was kind of an ulterior motive for trying to get the witch trials mm. to stop. Um, around the same time, his wife was being questioned for witchcraft. So you know, basically, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he's like, okay. we no, we, right, we got fake. we got to stop this. It's There's not no such real. Thing as Are you kidding me? Come on, <laughs> all those all those people before, yeah, they were innocent. So sorry that I didn't speak up sooner. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, but anyways. You digress. I I digress a lot in this episode. (laughs) Uh, In January 1697, the Massachusetts General Court declared a day of fasting for the tragedy of the Salem witch trials. The court later deemed the trials unlawful, and the leading justice, Samuel Sewall, publicly apologized for his role in the process. He was like, all right, yo, hand up. My bad. Killed a lot of innocent people. Sorry. Sorry. I I, I don't know. It came over me. Um. The damage to the community lingered, however, naturally, even as Massachusetts colony passed legislation restoring the good names of the condemned and providing financial restitution to their heirs in 1711. This is a crazy fact. It was only until, it was only in July 2022. Last year. (laughs) That Elizabeth Johnson Jr., the last convicted Salem witch whose name had yet to be cleared, was finally exonerated. That's crazy. It Insane. just happened. I feel like they kind of just like forgot. Yeah, you know, they got uh, lazy. They were oh, just like, yeah, I guess we should probably exonerate that person. Yeah. Like, that's just crazy. Um, 
But in the 20th century, artists and scientists alike continued to be fascinated by the Salem witch trials. Obviously, we talked earlier, playwright Arthur Miller resurrected the tale with his 1953 play, The Crucible, using the trials as an allegory for anti-communist McCarthyism, then sweeping the country. Again, accusing a lot of innocent people of mm. crimes they did not commit. That'd be a fun episode. Some I know. Cold, maybe cold maybe War, that's a good follow-up. Some Cold War talk, maybe? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Red Scare. Yeah. Red Scare. There's a new Red Scare going on nowadays. I know. Matthew and Scott never stop talking about <laughs> Red Scare. Um, scholars offered up competing explanations for the strange behavior that occurred in Salem. Scientists seeking a medical cause for the accuser's afflictions and historians. We talked about that earlier, obviously. Uh, more often grounding their theories in the community's tense socio-political environment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we kind of all talked Basically, about. Basically, a lot of peeps had Hysteria ulterior happens. motives and they took yeah. advantage of people's general fear and, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, <sighs> that's the Salem Nut uh, Witch Trials in a nutshell. I almost said the Salem Nut Trials. <laughs> <laughs> Peanuts, cashews, walnuts, almonds. Um, Who's guilty? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the narrative of it. But- mm-hmm. We sad. Can, yeah. Sad. Sad. But it's just, I just thought it was crazy that it was only until last summer <laughs> that the <laughs> that last one was exonerated. God. That's so long. So long. Um, should we go through some witch tests? These yeah, are pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, we let, can read through what, what these are. Yeah. So we can start with the swimming test, mm. which again, you just can't win, people. You just can't win if you're accused of being a witch. Yeah. So as part of the infamous swimming test, Accused witches were dragged to the nearest body of water, stripped to their undergarments, bound, and then tossed in to see if they would sink or float. Which, again, they're bound, so it's not even like they can swim. (laughs) Um, Since witches were believed to have spurned the sacrament of baptism, it was thought that the water would reject their body and prevent them from submerging. So basically, if you're a witch, you float. According to this logic, an innocent person would sink like a stone, but a witch would simply bob on the surface. <laughs> the vict- victim typically had a rope tied around their waist so they could be pulled from the water if they sank, because if you sank, you're innocent. But it wasn't unusual for accidental drowning deaths to occur. So, you know, you might just drown. No big deal. But at least you're not a witch. <laughs> um Witch swimming derived from the, quote, trial by water, an ancient practice where suspected criminals and sorcerers were thrown into rushing rivers <laughs> to allow a high power to decide their fate. It's <laughs> like a I high mean, power? Nature, you mean? Nature? A so just river? a river? Throw them into the <laughs> rapids? This custom was banned in many European countries in the Middle Ages. So I just want to point that out, right? Like, we're, this, this shit, like, was they got rid of it in the middle ages but somehow it reemerges in the 17th century as a witch experiment and it persists in some locales well into the 18th century for example in 1710 the swimming test was used as evidence against a hungarian woman woman named dorko boda who was <laughs> later beaten and burned at the stake i mean the amount of suffering you know it's not like yeah. a quick death it's like uh we threw you in a river and you know you floated so that means you're definitely a witch so now we need to beat you and then you finally die but a horrible death by burning no big deal <laughs> oh man that's funny that's that's good good clean fun the swimming test <laughs> i mean it's kind of like how dumb are these people really you right? know it's, it's quite shocking really some of the stuff that happened in history where it's like 
Where's the logic in that? There's zero there logic. There is no logic. Yeah, exactly. It's just person in a position of power. Being it's definitely to- just one of those moments where someone just said something confidently enough and people are like, huh. Yeah, people yeah. are really stupid. People are really dumb now and we have access to so much like knowledge and stuff. Think about like just the 1600s. People are pretty goddamn stupid. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> well, and that was the sad thing about the, the next test. Oh, the prayer test? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll read the prayer test. Yes. Medieval wisdom held that witches were incapable of speaking scripture aloud, so accused sorcerers were made to recite selections from the Bible, usually the Lord's Prayer, without making any mistakes or omissions. One, if you ever got nervous in like class reading, like everyone is a witch. Like no one can just read perfectly. It's it's not even reading. It's reciting. reciting. you're You're memorizing it. And then have to speak it aloud. So you're literally accused of being a witch. Yeah. You have to know everything by memory. And then like you're obviously nervous. Oh my God. Sounds like what I had to do to pledge my frat. How'd that go? Did you make any mistakes? No, I was good. Okay. You're not a witch. <laughs> While it may have simply been a sign that the suspected witch was illiterate or nervous, any errors were viewed as proof that the speaker was in league with the devil. Illiterate. So literally they've never even read the- <laughs> You're the, the devil. Oh God. This twisted test of public speaking ability was commonly used as hard evidence in witch trials. That's hard evidence. In 1712, <laughs> it was applied in the case Jane Wenham, Ooh. Wenham, an accused witch who supposedly struggled to speak the words, forgive us our trespassers and lead us not into temptation during her interrogation. Still, even a successful prayer test didn't guarantee an acquittal. Again, you can't win. During the Salem witch trials, the accused... Accused sorcerer George Burroughs flawlessly recited the prayer from the gallows just before his execution. The performance was dismissed as a devil's trick and the hanging proceeded as planned. (laughs) Disgusting. And again, going back to, I feel like it's like, this is a little side side show where I just say, what's their beef? What was their beef with George Burroughs? (laughs) He was actually the minister of Salem Village from 1680 to 1683. And was actually summoned from his new home in Maine. So I'm just thinking at the time, the amount of effort it took to go find this guy where it's like, oh my God, he's a witch. We need to go to Maine to find him. And was accused of being the witch's ringleader. Um, it seems like he had run into a couple issues in the Salem village. Um, again, with like just a lot of political maneuverings where allies of the minister that came before him just disliked him. And he only left... Salem Village because parishioners decided to stop paying his salary. And what makes it even more messed up is so literally he just doesn't have a salary because people one day, imagine if your employer one day was just like, yeah, you're doing the job, but I just don't really want to pay you anymore. I just don't like you. I just don't like you. And what makes it really sad is he had borrowed money from John Putnam, horrible person number one, for his wife's funeral. So he borrowed, it's not like he borrowed money like, oh man, like I had too many drinks at the bar and I can't afford it. For his wife's funeral. And was actually later arrested because Putnam accused him of not paying his debts. And I just thought, well, duh, because people stopped paying his salary. Of course he hasn't paid his debts. Again, you can't win. And um, there's like suspicion that basically the Salem villagers always remember that where it's like, oh, he doesn't pay his debts must mean, you know, he's a ringleader of a witch's coven. <laughs> it's just, you, you just can't win. Yeah. All right. Well, the touch test. All right. I'll read the touch test. Yeah, go for it. The touch test worked on the idea that victims of sorcery would have 
a special reaction to physical contact with their evildoer. In cases where a possessed person fell into spells or fits, the suspected witch would be brought into the room and asked to lay a hand on them. A non-reaction signaled innocence, but if the victim came out of their fit, it was seen as proof that the suspect had placed them under a spell. Touch test played a famous part in the 1662 trial of Rose Cullender and Amy Denny, two elderly English women charged with bewitching a pair of young girls. The children had been suffering from fits that left their fists clenched so tightly that even a strong man could not pry their fingers apart, but early tests showed them easily opened whenever Cullender or Denny touched them. To ensure the reaction was genuine, judges had the children blindfolded and touched by other members of the court. The girls unclenched their fists anyways. Anyway, which suggested they were faking, but even this was not enough to prove the woman's innocence. Colander and Denny were both later hanged as witches. <laughs> Interesting. I just find it funny how it seems very subjective with these tests where it's like, oh, we're going to give this test, but hey, if the test doesn't work, exactly. then they're still guilty. Yeah, that's why it's funny to go through them all. <laughs> it's the hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Witch next, cakes. <laughs> yeah, the next one, I, I like this one. Yeah, go Witch for cakes. It. A bizarre form of counter magic, the witch cake was a supernatural dessert used to identify suspected evildoers. In cases of mysterious illness or possession, witch hunters would take a sample of the victim's urine, mix it with rye meal and ashes, and bake it into a cake. (laughs) This stomach-turning concoction was then fed to a dog, the familiars or animal helpers of witches, in the hope that the beast would fall under its spell and reveal the name of the guilty sorcerer. During the hysteria that preceded the Salem witch trials, the slave Tatuba famously helped prepare a witch cake to identify the person responsible for bewitching young Betty Harris and others. The brew failed to work, and Tatuba's supposed knowledge of spells and folk rem- remedies was later used as evidence against her when she was accused of being a witch. She tried to help. I honestly wish people could see my facial expressions as this is going through because I'm just eyes rolling, eyes rolling. (laughs) Okay, so this one, which we touched upon a little bit, witch marks. Witch hunters often had their suspects stripped and publicly examined. So again, just the indignities of it all. Examined for signs of an unsightly blemish that witches were said to receive upon making their pact with Satan. This devil's mark could supposedly change shape and color and was believed to be numb and insensitive to pain. Prosecutors might also search for the, quote, witch's teat and (laughs) (laughs) an extra nipple allegedly used to suckle the witch's helper animals. I mean, this just gets, again, nobody's questioning the people that's coming up with this. Like, you know, it's just weird. It's just weird. And yes, you get, you're going to have to bleep me even, out, but it's weird. I, I may not, honestly. It's too much work. <laughs> um, in both cases, it was easy for even the most minor physical imperfections to be labeled as the work of the devil himself. Moles, scars, birthmarks, sores, supernumerary nipples, and tattoos <laughs> could all qualify. So examiners really rarely came up empty handed. I mean, I have so many birthmarks. If we're going off of this test, then yeah, I'm probably a witch. You're failing a lot of these tests. (laughs) I mean, the swimming one, I'd be bound and I wouldn't be able to even be allowed to swim. But then I can't even swim because then if I float, which is what I would need to do in order to breathe, I'd be considered a witch. The prayer test. uh, I don't know. 
Like maybe. I feel like it depends on who you're reciting to. I could see you getting real nervous or something. <sighs> yeah. Well, and but also, like I think you could memorize like a prayer. Like, oh, definitely, you definitely, have, probably. Definitely. If I knew that test was coming down the line, <laughs> I mean, there was a time when I definitely could recite that. But anyways, um, where was I? Wonder. Oh yeah. So basically, they rarely came up empty-handed. In the midst of witch hunts, desperate villagers would sometimes even burn or cut off any offending marks on their bodies, only to have their wounds labeled as proof. <laughs> so basically, you're like, oh, I have a birthmark. I need to get rid of it. Let's cut it or burn it off. And then they're just like, hey, that's a weird burn or cut <laughs> mark you mark. have. I mean, what is going on here? But that, but yeah, so basically anything is a witch's mark. I've, I also talked about earlier, I just thought... You know, would a zit be considered a witch's mark? That would not be good. If you're someone who suffers from acne, you could be accused as a witch. Mm. Ugh. 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 But I digress. But I mean, I digress. You've been again. digressing quite a bit. Oh my God. Get me out of here. I mean, get me out of this time period. <laughs> really? I feel like the 1600s were pretty great for women, though. Um. <laughs> no, 1700s were better. Me just talking about, you know, the trials and tribulations of childbirth, high mortality mm. rates, yeah. lots of sexism. Yes. Okay, next test. Pricking and scratching tests. If witch hunters struggled to find obvious evidence of witches' marks on a suspect's body, they might resort to the ghastly practice of, quote, pricking as a means of sussing it out. Witch hunting books and instructional pamphlets noted that the marks were insensitive to pain and couldn't bleed, so examiners usually used specially designed needles to repeatedly stab and prick at the accused person's flesh until they discovered a spot that produced the desired results. In England and Scotland, the torture was eventually performed by well-paid professional prickers. Many, I know a lot of those. <laughs> many of whom were actually con men. Con men! who used dulled needle points to identify fake witches marks oh my god along with pricking the unfortunate suspect might also be subjected to scratching by their supposed victims this test was based on the notion that possessed people found relief by scratching the person responsible with their fingernails until they drew blood but yeah i mean it's it's clearly the accused that have issues if their symptoms improved after clawing at the accused skin, it was seen as partial evidence of guilt. What <laughs> the heck? Imagine being a professional pricker. <laughs> That's on your LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I have a pretty long resume. 12, 12 years of experience. From 2003 to 2009, I was a professional pricker. <laughs> Before that, I interned. Operating in the England area. <laughs> All right, the last witch test. Incantations. Incantations? Yeah. <laughs> also known as charging. This test involved forcing the accused witch to verbally order the devil to let the possessed victim come out of their fitter trance. Other people would also utter the words to act as a control, and judges would then gauge whether the statements had any effect on the victim's condition. Charges were famously used in the 16th century witch trial of Alice Samuel and her husband and daughter, who were accused of bewitching five girls from the wealthy Throckmorton family. During the proceedings, judges forced the Samuels to demand that the devil release the girls from their spell by stating, As I am a witch, so I charge the devil to let Mistress Throckmorton come out of her fit at this present. 
When the possessed girls immediately recovered, the Samuels were found guilty and hanged as witches. I mean, I don't really have much more to say on the witch test. It's beating a dead horse at this point. I mean, the... I mean... Uh, (laughs) I mean, I have nothing to say either, I guess. I just want to say that... um, I don't know. Feels really sus when it's sus? just like when yeah, it feels really sus when there are student certain accusers just accusing everybody under the sun, and just seems really convenient that suddenly they're just relieved of all their symptoms when the specific person that they accused hmm. does the one thing that could potentially exonerate them. Yeah. I mean, but as you said about spectral evidence, and essentially all of that sounds like spectral evidence for the most part. Do you think you would have been accused as a witch? For sure. I mean, it seems way too easy to accuse someone of a witch. I kind of want to be a sorcerer. I mean, do you want to get stoned to death for that? Not the good, st- not not the other stoned, the, the the bad stoned, the really really bad stoned. I don't think so. I'd like to be so. a sorcerer though. In this day and age, I in, feel like in I could, this day and I could age, get away totally with being cool. a sorcerer. Yeah, definitely. It's a good definitely. title. How do I apply? Can you imagine if like a Puritan time traveled to this time? They'd be so freaked out. They, yeah, they would. They'd be last. like, "Everybody's a witch. I'm <laughs> surrounded by witches." Yeah. No thanks. No, we'll, we'll keep no. them in the 1600s. For real, they can stay there. All right. Anything else? Um, What's on your mind? Non Salem witch trials related. What are we doing in the next there? episode? Maybe oh. something Cold War. Can, isn't it interesting how this is probably the first episode that we didn't really come up with a lot of um, episode ideas? No. I mean, we weren't really trying to, but no. I think- Cold War would be cool. Honestly, I think it would be a cool connection to then go to the Red Scare of the 1950s. Yeah. I like the idea of like doing like a transition. Yeah. You know, like since, since McCarthyism came up in this Salem Witch Trial, mm-hmm. we could also do like- I don't know, like famous authors. Like that would be kind of mm. cool to do like a biopic or a biography of. Ooh, like 1920s F. Scott Fitzgerald. And Wait, why are you saying F. Scott anyway? Fitzgerald? <laughs> yeah, what did Scott Fitzgerald ever do to you? <laughs> why do I feel like I've heard that joke before? It's like in Ted. That's why. And I've definitely said it to and you And you've before. definitely said it to me too. Yeah. So what What, what do you think? What, Cold <laughs> War? Or I feel like you're all on the, on the writer's Edgar Allan Poe. I was just thinking, you know, a kind of situation where, you know, like almost a writing club when they were friends and stuff or they worked together because I think that's what happened with them. And granted, I'm totally going off of a fictional movie, Midnight in Paris, but I'm pretty sure. With Owen Wilson? Yeah. Pretty sure Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and a bunch of peeps were in Paris around the same time. Yeah, that was a movie. Or um, freaking love Jane Austen. Yeah. She was interesting. I don't know. Maybe we'll work the workshop that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll workshop I mean, it. We'll the, workshop on the Cold War. Something in the Cold, Cold War. Cold War is easy, right? But Cold War is such a big topic that mm-hmm. we would need to, we need to, to double click, down more. Double click on something. We will take recommendations. We could do if, China. If anyone listening China. has a recommendation, we could do China. Do China the rise of China. Ooh, that's or, a cool one. Or the Opium Wars. Ooh, yeah. Um, opium Den. Yeah. Which honestly, I, I blame more like the English and certain colon- colonizers than actual. Chinese I, I kind of like the idea of the rise of China. Actually, that's like that a, would be really really cool. cool. I've watched some documentaries on that because they had a pretty pretty insane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they just they were like super relevant until like kind of recently, and now they're just like the world superpower with the U.S. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
That's a good one. I like that. Maybe we'll maybe that's what we do. Yeah. The rise and someday of, we'll come back to McCarthyism and then we'll be able to reference this episode or yeah, something. Yeah. We'll we'll come back to it. McCarthyism, I don't know like how much It's also kind of funny because Kevin McCarthy is uh yeah, the, the leader house, of the house now, but when we talk about McCarthyism, it's not good. Anyway. Leave your political opinions off of it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say anything about Kevin McCarthy. I'm, I'm just, just saying it's an unfortunate I'm just association. Kidding. Are you? Are you? Mm. We're trying to be unbiased news reporters. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I was definitely very biased in this episode, and I am not ashamed of it. About what? Women being hanged? <laughs> like? Innocent people Imagine dying? Imagine me being like, all right, all right come on. Like, I, <laughs> I get that you have a, it's like a gender thing, like. Let's try to keep it professional. It was, it's really factual. just innocent people. Innocent people died because certain yeah. people sucked. Giles Corey got pressed to death. Rest in peace. Rest in really peace. Really rest in peace. Like I mean, I, I hope for the best for him mm. in yeah. death. All right. Well, that's pretty much everything mm-hmm, on this fine mm-hmm. Friday evening. Indeed. We got Last of Us. Unusually warm evening, too. Yeah. We got Last of Us coming up. Feeling good. It's Seeing some, be good. some condos some- tomorrow. Yeah. Close to close to the Danvers area, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, all right. Anything else to say to the the folks? Everyone knows how I feel now. That's the last thing I'll say. <laughs> you know my feelings. Yeah. Hope everyone has a lovely day. Mm-hmm. And doesn't get accused of being a witch. Or evening, depending on when you're listening. Yeah. Or or your time zone. Who knows? Yeah. Which I guess doesn't really matter because when you said that. But you know, you know. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.